You know, it was a funny? great interview. Yeah, you know it's funny. I mean, I'm not planning. You were awesome. You were awesome. No, no. Leo no, was like, awesome. That was just an incredible, yeah, 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 like thing to listen to. Yeah. Welcome to the basketball mood. This is a podcast about everything basketball. I'm Christian Urban with my brother Randy, and our third member of the team is Mike DiGiorgio. All right, our first guest of the Basketball Move podcast is none other than Canadian Hall of Famer, basketball legend, Leo Routens. Le- Leo, do you know Mike? I don't think so. Mike, have we met? I think a few times, but I think, you know where we met one time was up in Tiny Beach at your brother's cottage, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, you, we, we were out there. You, you recognized my U of T jersey. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, your face. Your face looks familiar. Like I've seen yeah. you before, so I, I know yeah. I'm good on faces. You know? Me and me and I know Andy well. Um, okay. Like I, Andy comes to U of T all the time to work out, so he he all comes right. by. Mike's a- Oh, you mean Sammy? Sammy? No, Andy. Andy back in the day, like not like oh, not back. now, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to COVID and stuff, he was he was at right, UFT, right. a bunch with Brady and and those guys. So they oh, were, okay, all right. Yeah. You guys have a lot in common, actually. Both good passers. Both can't shoot. According to Randy, I can't shoot. You're a funny guy, Randy. You're a real funny guy. I'll tell you what. Let, let's let's put your uh, – what's the most valuable item you have? What's the most valuable thing that you possess? Uh, All right. Put your mom's dogs up, Randy. No, no, no. <laughs> um, what do I own, Chris? Nothing. I don't really own anything. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, you, you just pick out the most valuable thing you own. We'll go to the gym. We'll, play, we'll shoot for it. Yeah, you can take this non-shooter will shoot you for it. Okay, can you still Let's shoot it? That. I mean, I know the twine and line yeah. videos, but can you like still shoot it for real, like in yeah. a gym? <laughs> yeah, I can shoot. That's like riding a bike, brother. Like riding a bike, you know. Uh, well, we like we did some reading on you, and like we came across certain you know things that were you know people said that you couldn't shoot. I mean, that couldn't been that couldn't have been true. I mean, we saw a video. No, you like, know what's funny? It's it's actually funny. Uh, okay, Chris Mullen was a great shooter, right? Yeah. And in college, what he did is he, he would shoot. He'd shoot. And everybody goes, wow, he's amazing. And then, but when he passed the ball, and people go, holy mackerel, look at him pass, uh-huh. right? So my reputation was passing, right? Right. And then, and then all of a sudden they go, well, the guy can't shoot. What do you mean I can't shoot? Just, you know, like didn't, they didn't say Chris Mullen couldn't pass, you know? <laughs> like, I, and so the, the, the funny thing was like, uh, yeah, if, if I would have done it the other way around, if I would have said, okay, you know, screw this, I'm going to average 20 points a game and, you know, make some passes here and there, people would be saying the opposite, right? right yeah. So it's really kind of funny because, you know, hey, okay, I was one of the leading scorers in, in world championships for Canada and all this stuff, so, but I couldn't shoot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I dropped 25 on the USA. Can't shoot? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Man. That, that, uh, Wait, 25 on USA. Was that against the Dream Team? No, that, we actually beat the United States. A lot of people don't know this. In uh, 1982, uh, at the World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee, the United States had 12 first-round picks, and we beat the snot out of them. Jeez. We beat them by 25. Wow. And I had, I, I know, I had like a 25 points, 14 boards, like eight, nine assists. Mm-hmm. We just smoked them. 
Actually, that that game was uh, the game. You remember Marty Blake was like the guru of the NBA. Uh, oh, no, that, no, he, yeah. he was like the he was the NBA head scout. Like okay. when Marty Blake said something, that was it. Okay. And yeah. after that game, he went up to Jack Donahue and said, "Leo's a first round pick." Yeah. Right after that game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, but a lot of people don't know the history of that. A lot of people don't like think the game was just invented. But uh, you know, we we we'd beaten the United States, even though it was college guys. But mm-hmm. you got to remember the college. The only reason they went to pros because they were stupid in how they picked their teams. They would have still been winning with college guys. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that's all stuff you can. I don't know what we're talking about, but those are that's cool no. shit. A lot of people don't know. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's type of that's kind of the stuff that we kind of want to get into today. Just like different, right. you know, the th- the theme of this podcast is to just have good people on with uh, good basketball stories and and just to keep it fun. Anything that's not like we want to go in chron- chronological order or anything like that, but anything that comes to mind, great story. Like we just we just love having it. Chris, you want to start with the. A question off that, or do you want to? Yeah, just I mean, with... I'm not a Twitter guy, but Randy told me about your affirmations, and I was reading them, and uh, I, I really liked them. I was just curious what what made you decide to to post those daily affirmations. It's kind of funny. I, I really can't answer that. Uh, I uh, I like coffee, and uh, one day I saw something. It was like a positive message, and I and I decided to tweet it out. But you know, I I just put it with a coffee, right? Like I made it a, a coffee tweet. And uh, the reaction was real positive. And, and then I said, okay, you know, hey, I'll, I'll do it again. And then I had people coming up to me. And when I say people, I mean like celebrities. I mean, <laughs> Joe Blow on the street. I mean, everybody said, hey, that changed my day. That made such a difference for me. I'm going, really? Yeah. Really? So all of a sudden, I felt like obligated to do it. Like I had to do it. And, uh, so I don't even know how that, like I said, how it became a coffee tweet, but, um, yeah. So then I, I said, it just became something where it, the way I look at it, if one person's day changes, you know, what, what, what did it take from me? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took, it took a few, few minutes of my time to find something, put it out there. And if it makes somebody's day better, mm-hmm. so be it. So, mm-hmm. you know, those things can be trivial or, you know, this, you're repetitive and things, but for you, it, it seems so genuine. And I just want to know where, do, where that sort of positive philosophy came from. Cause obviously you're not just tweeting that because we're putting that stuff on social media because you're faking it. Right. It seems like, you know, from what I've known you, this is just the kind of guy you are, but where did that come from? Uh, I've always been positive. I, I think it's got to come from my family, right. You know, my, my parents, uh, my parents escaped, escaped wartime, escaped the Russians, uh, lost everything, started with nothing, uh, uh, you know, raised us with, you know, no excuses. Right. I mean, if you, you lose everything and you, and, uh, you know, you, you like I said, your family's been all slaughtered and taken away and, uh, and you got to find a way to start, you know, what excuses am I going to have? And mm-hmm. it's always been very positive. Uh, they've always, they raised me that way. And I've always kind of, approached everything that way uh and and i've been very fortunate you know they say that old saying it takes a village right uh to raise a child and i i think i've been very fortunate i've had a lot of great people around me uh from my basketball to my parents to all kinds of things so um i've gotten a lot of positive messages and the way i always look at it's like basketball what good is knowing all this or having all that inside you if you can't share it Mm -hmm. right if i can't help I can't help make your day a little better or use some of my positive energy or help you with your jump shot. Then what's the point of knowing all that stuff? Right. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, might as well share it. And it's funny, like, uh, you know, the twine and wine thing, 
that actually became kind of the same thing. Um, you oh, know, no at, at the beginning it was at the beginning it was a joke. Like yeah. TSN said, "Hey, uh, why don't you do a horse shot?" Remember, NBA was doing these horse games. They said, "Why don't you guys all the all the talent, everybody do one and talk a little trash and and uh, we're gonna put it out there." And the response was really good. So and I had fun doing. It. I said, "You know what? I, I'm gonna." The pandemic was going on, and and uh, and and I did one other thing for Sportsnet, uh, a Kawhi shot, uh, a, re- a redo of the Kawhi four bouncer uh, game winner with my dog guarding me, and it had like a hundred thousand views, right? Yeah. So I said, you know, okay. So I said, with you know the pandemic, people are people are missing something. People are one, they miss their sports, but a lot of people are really struggling, right? They're really uh, you know, just looking for an outlet. So I started to do this twine and wine thing with, you know, I, I, I do something fun, some crazy shot. And then the whole message was here, here's to you. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it was, that's what it was. It was to you. Mm-hmm. Let's have a laugh together. Let's have a cheers. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, the, I mean, these things were getting a hundred thousand views. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think it's really because of people just needed it. People needed something. Um, and, and it became the same kind of thing, like the coffee thing. I almost felt like I got to do this now. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know how hard it is to come up with a new shot in your pool every day. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, I was pulling my, and I was coming off after back surgery too. So it's not like I could go airborne and dive in my pool. Right. Yeah. I was kind of limited, but, uh, it really, it, it became like a crazy thing because, yeah. you know, uh, I, I felt like I had to do it. You know? do, do you ever feel like you need to do it? Like for you, do you ever like p- post something? You're like, you know what? I actually needed this today. Or like, do you always wake up just feeling great? No, I, I, I don't think I do anything because I need it. I, I think, uh, oh, sometimes some of the messages. Like, does it help you? Uh, like, does your own message help you sometimes? You know what? I, I Yes and no. I, I mean, like I said, sometimes when I find, find a, I, I, if something's going on in my life or around me, I might, that might be the message you get. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I figure, okay, if I feel this way, maybe there's a lot of other people feeling this way. Right. So hey, I'm positive, but my life's not like, you know, I'm not jumping up and down smiling 24 hours a day. So, uh, you know, I go through things like everybody else, like, Hey, pandemic came, you know, my wife's got immune issues. She was on lockdown. I couldn't see my, I, I was in Florida, stuck in Florida. Couldn't see my boys. My mom passed away. I couldn't be there for like, I'm going through a lot of stuff like, like everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just think, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think I put it out there, uh, for me, but, um, it's, uh, like I said, I'm just like everybody else, right. I, you go through things and, uh, you deal with things. And I, I think, I think it's more about sharing how, you know, if I can help myself, I can help you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Leo, what are your uh, earliest memories of playing basketball? I know my brother and I grew up on a farm, and uh, you know we remember being right under the rim, throwing it up with our two hands, and, uh, and then just sort of slowly moving back. You know, every couple months. Well, I couldn't <laughs> score. Chris could score first because I was but, I was a year younger, so I was watching him score. <laughs> Do you have like early memories of that? Oh yeah, my uh, okay. My background is Lithuanian, right? So like all the Lithuanian kids, you know, the sport in Lithuania is the national sport is basketball. So even though I was playing hockey like everybody else, all the Lithuanian kids were hooping, mm-hmm. right? We had a gym to go to. So my earliest memories are, uh, you know, uh, being at the Church of the Resurrection in Toronto, 
downtown Toronto, uh, you know, shooting hoops, uh, playing with older guys. Uh, the Keel Street Court, you know, they call me the kid from Keel Street. There was a court on Keelan, Keelan Oakmont, uh, about a block, uh, block north of Bloor Street. And uh, best players in the city all played there. Uh, and back then, they had draft Dodgers that came to Canada. They, so we had an American flavor outdoor court. Uh, and it was cool. It was surrounded by like a, a hill on two sides, a street light above the slope. Uh, with a tree so you can get under the sun or out of the sun if you need to chill out when you're between games. It was like the perfect setup. So uh, everybody in the city that was anybody played there. So and that was a, a literally could from my room in the house, I could see if there was a ball flying up and I'd be there. Um, so th that's my earliest memories, you know, playing at the Lithuanian church and, and playing on the Keel Street court. I mean, I was out there once I, I fell in love with the game. I was just out there all the time. Yeah. Did uh, your shooting technique come a lot from trial and error or did it come from, you know, a specific uh, coach? Uh, a specific person, my brother. I mm -hmm. mean, my brother, uh, if, uh, if you're not aware, uh, my brother was a great shooter. My mm -hmm. brother, again, you talk about one of the better shooters in the history of the game in Canada. My brother played for the Canadian national team. Uh, he was one of the first players to get a scholarship uh, coming out of Toronto. He got a scholarship. Uh, he went to Niagara University. Um, he broke as far as I, 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 don't, I'm, I was told, he broke Calvin Murphy's freshman scoring records in Niagara. Uh, they actually had a game in Toronto against Canisius at my high school at St. Mike's. I, I had back surgery when I was 11. I was in the hospital. I couldn't go to the game. So the morning after my back surgery, uh, they played Canisius, an exhibition game at St. Mike's in Toronto, where my brother went as well. And he dropped 40, missed like one shot, right? Wow. He could shoot. Um, so really watching my brother um, and wanting to be better than him. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, he was played for Canada, got drafted by the Buffalo Braves. And, uh, and he helped me. Like he, he, would, he would show me how to shoot. He'd tell me what to do and things like that. Uh, when he wasn't kicking my ass, he'd, he'd try to help me out. So uh, wow. he was really my driving force. Older brother? I, I, everything. Yeah, he's eight years older, and um, he really, like, really was rough with me. And, yeah. and and I mean that in a good way. Like, he knew that, okay, if he saw me cowering up and crying from him getting rough with me, he would. I don't think he'd do it. But he saw that if you knock me down, I'm going to get back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. So he was tough with me. Like he'd say, you suck. You can't play. You can't do this. But he was doing that to make me better. Yeah. Right. That was kind of his way. And uh, so whatever he did, like I said, he got a scholarship. I wanted a hundred. He got, he got, he played for Canada. I wanted to be the best player for Canada. He got drafted. I wanted to be a first round pick. So everything he did, I just want to do better. Wow. You know, that's incredible. I yeah. had, I had no idea. I had no idea you had a brother and I had no idea you had a brother that played basketball. Mike, did yeah, you know any and, of that? And I said, hey, huh? I, I'd heard of his brother. I, I think the legend of your legend at St. Mike's is a little bigger than your brother's legend, but I think it's just because you're a little bit more contemporary than he is. Yeah, I mean things go in cycles, right? But he was he was the guy. I mean he was he was one of the. You talk about the history of Toronto basketball. He was one of the first guys to go south, right? Get a scholarship, um, and uh, you know, like I said, he had he had some unfortunate situations that came up there, but. He got, a, he got an offer to play with the Buffalo Braves. He actually turned it down uh, because of some of the stuff that happened. I think he was just fed up with playing and uh, just, you know, I, I wanted to get out of it. But uh, he was he could – I'll tell you this. On my best day, 
on my best day, I could not shoot. I could never beat him. You talk about game of horse. I couldn't touch my brother. Wow. Not, not a chance. Yeah, you know, wow. That's... Randy can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so can Mike. <laughs> uh, I, I, I won my fair share, I think. Mike's got a brother that's younger, uh, Leo. They both played at U of D. Same yeah, time. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was nice. better than him. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's why Leo, you're tell this... me, tell yeah. me a little bit about just um, your kids and just watching them grow and what you've put you imparted upon them um because they've had they've had a pretty cool basketball journey as well um i know sam's still involved in it andy you know andy is he retired now is that yeah he's he's uh he's officially retired now okay um sure. but i you know i have four boys and uh uh i think where you said it's a journey right and they all get their own journey and uh my thing obviously i played basketball and and i do some other things so i try to impart what I can. Uh, and because of basketball, obviously, if you chose to play basketball, I have some things that can help you, right? I have some doors I can open. I have, you know, access to things. Um, my oldest boy, Mike, played uh, played a little basketball. He's kind of a, was a late starter and then tried to really get into it. Uh, and then same thing with baseball. He actually got a scholarship or went to Canisius uh, to play baseball. Uh, and then ended up not playing and graduating uh, with a journalism uh, degree. So uh, he, he did well. I got uh, then Andy. Andy obviously really wanted to play basketball uh, and, and had a lot of success with it. And uh, and then my other son, Jay, uh, Jay really wasn't into sports at all. And uh, he's doing incredibly well in the business world. Uh, very successful. I always told all the other boys, you better be nice to them because you're all going to be working for them one day. <laughs> uh, you know, and then there's Sammy, uh, who's still on his basketball journey. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's uh, going to a, a JUCO in Daytona right now. Uh, he's recovered from injuries and this and that. So he's going to do a year there and, and, and see what doors open up. So uh, but the main thing I tell them is, you know, you, you got to, you know, do what makes you happy, right? If you're going to do whatever you're going to do, just work at it, go after it. Uh, you know, I don't care what you do. You don't have to play sports for me. Uh, yeah. Do what makes you happy and, and uh, just just put everything you have into it and, and have fun. You got to have fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was in the gym. I, I, I practiced a ridiculous amount. That's one of the reasons I, my body's destroyed. Um, but I felt that's what I had to do to have success, right? Uh, you know, that old saying where, um, you know, if, uh, if you're not practicing somebody else is, and see one day you're going to run into mm -hmm. them. I believe that I live that. Like I, I didn't, I not believe in taking days off. Right. Right. And, and, and so, uh, I felt I had to do everything. So, but I enjoyed it. I loved, like, I love being in the gym. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's all I tell them. You got to enjoy what you're doing, you know, and, and whatever, whatever it is, you'll be successful at it. You know? Yeah, that's great. Who did you emulate your game after? Like what in terms of an NBA player? What I try to do is there, I, I wanted to be a complete player. Okay. So I looked at, you know, different players for what they did. You know, uh, this guy for a jump shot, that guy for the, you know, uh, Dave Collins, because he had the, the baby hooks, you know, Paul Westfall could use either hand. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, you go through their game and, and, and I looked at guys, the, what they did and, and and i try to be i try to do that because the way i looked at it was the more i could do i may not be the best at at anything but the more i could do it's going to be really hard not to play me 
It's going to be really hard to keep me off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just tried to, like I said, I tried to be, uh, I tried to be a good shooter, good passer, good rebounder, good defender. Uh, you know, I, I, I tried to play a whole game and, uh, you know, my game was kind of different, right? Uh, my game actually is more suited to today's game. Uh, you know, I was you know, six, eight, I was a point guard, you know, I was playing point guard, uh, when I played point, I played everything from point guard to power forward, but I always played with the ball in my hands, uh, which today, what you call a point forward, right? So, um, you'd make a lot you know, of money uh, right now, Leo. <laughs> oh, you like Charles Barkley says, right? Got to fire my mom, give birth to me too early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but it's amazing, you know, uh, but that, that's, so I looked at a lot of different, different play people and tried to, like I said, my goal was to, to kind of be a complete player, you know? You remember your first dunk? Yeah, like how old were you? I'd love to know because I've never dunked before. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and I, Mike and I get to uh, our age. Chris is still thinking about it, working on it. <laughs> end of end of eighth grade, end of eighth grade oh, uh, on the Keel Street court on the Keel nice. Street rim. Was it was so, it legit ten feet? Yeah, it was legit legit ten feet. A little bent at the front. Yeah, uh, but legit ten feet. We all need that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it had a little bent to it. it it wasn't a regulation ball, it was a smaller ball. Got it. Uh, but uh, it was funny. My dad, who didn't play basketball, was watching me. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And he goes, you're broad jumping. I go, huh? He goes, you're broad jumping. Go, what are you talking about? He goes, you're, you're taking too far, taking off too far away. Just go right under the basket and go straight up and, like, drive your other knee up. Yeah. And the, yeah. First, time, the first time I did it, I dunked it. Jeez. So, nice. My must, old man had something to do with that first one. That's awesome. <laughs> that must have been a great feeling. Yeah. I'd love to know that feeling. <laughs> actually, that actually that night, I had dreams where I was flying over <laughs> NBA players oh, and like my head's over the rim. Like I, re- I distinctly remember the dreams I had that night after my first dunk. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. A- Andy talks about. Uh, I read that Andy talks about like just some of the tapes he's seen of you dunking on Magic and Ewing. Is that true? Yeah, I've had some. I had some. Uh, I've had some good dunks on people, and uh, uh, my kids used to. I, I kind of made this um, highlight video for basketball camps because I used to have a whole bunch of basketball camps, and you know, at that point, kids don't know who the hell you are, right? Yeah. They, their parents send you to camp; they don't know who you are. So, uh, so I, I put together a highlight highlight tape of uh, uh, you know, my pass and my shooting, my dunks, stuff like that, and uh, and and like, I used to love doing like. Uh, I'd have a dunk. Who, who, who's that? Ewing? Is that, is that Pat Ewing? You know, <laughs> you know, have some fun with it. But uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, like I said, I, this, this, this guy, this guy had some hops before, yeah. uh, before yeah. the legs went. Yeah. You know, who's the best player nobody knows about that you've ever seen? Cause I, I know everyone, everyone who's been around basketball for a long time knows that one guy, That's the, the best player that nobody knows about. Well, I tell you what, when I, all I can say is this, when I, when I got to Europe, uh, when I went to Italy the first time, I'm playing and I'm going like, who the hell is this guy? Right. Where the hell did this guy come from? And I wasn't talking about the Italians. I was talking about some of these Americans over there. I'm playing against this one dude. He's averaging eight offensive rebounds. His elbows are over the rim every time he goes oh, up. You throw, you, you drive to the lane. You got to you got to throw it up to the top of the backboard just to get it over him. I go, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Right? Then I see this white dude, like this big white dude. Dunking on everybody. Like these they say white man can't jump. Nobody told him. Like this guy's just a beast. And I'm going, like, how come I've never heard of these guys? Right. And and that's that was something that was really cool about European ball. Like when you went over there, 
you ran into guys that are going like, God, there's no way. Like my first year in Italy, I played with this guy, Bruce Flowers. And Bruce Flowers went to Notre Dame. He, he, had, he, had, a try, he had an opportunity in the NBA, never made it. But I'm watching him and, as a teammate, and, and I've already played in the NBA. I'm going, man, this dude can play. This dude can be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can't get a sniff. Mm-hmm. And then the international players. Remember, I grew up in the Oscar Schmidt era, era right? Oscar and oh, I yeah. were I, – I was 17 and he was 18 playing for Brazil and Canada, right? So, uh, you know, maybe – okay, I got it. I got it. Uh, one would be a popular name now, and the other one – another one uh, you probably never heard of. Uh, the one you never heard of was Drazen Delapadic, right? Okay. Everybody remembers Petrovic, yep. right? Uh, yeah. but Drazen Delapadic was a beast. He actually was drafted by the Boston Celtics, never, never came to play. A 6'6", 6'7", uh, small forward. At one, he averaged over 40 in Italy, Jeez. right? This guy could shoot from anywhere on the floor, and he had game, just solid game. Uh, but that, that's before it was cool to have guys from Europe playing in the NBA, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with Oscar Schmidt. Oscar Schmidt came to camp with the Nets when I was with the Sixers. And he said, I said, you're going to stick. He goes, nah, he goes, they gave me guaranteed money. Cause I don't care about guaranteed money. I want guaranteed minutes. I want to know I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I make more money in Europe. So hell with it. Um, mm-hmm. But then the other player you would know, maybe not by game, but by name was jelly bean, Joe Bryant, yeah. Yeah. Kobe's dad. I mean, Kobe's dad was a stud. He was six, nine shoot threes, dunk on you past the floor played with flair he had that kobe flair to him yeah talk shit uh i love playing against him in italy oh yeah yeah we we had some great games against each other and uh and little kobe was always running around the gym we'd have scrimmages one time he played for a town near me in rome and we'd scrimmage his team so he'd come to town and uh, little kobe be running around and playing pinball and the other side of the gym and stuff so uh but but joe joe was a uh, I mean, I, I was shocked. There's a guy. I go, how is he not in the NBA? Yeah. And you put him in today's NBA, six nine, shoot from anywhere on the floor, dunk on you. Come on. Uh, who like, did you? Who would you compare he'd, he'd average, him to? Who would you compare huh? him to? That who would you compare him to that made the NBA? And you're just like, well, if he's in the NBA, he, you know, this guy should be in the NBA. Okay. Uh, picture this. Picture. Uh, okay, Cam Johnson uh, for the Suns had a great, great finals, right? Yeah. No, I got to – okay, forget that. Picture Devin Booker at 6'9". <laughs> okay, jeez. Okay, okay, Devin Booker at 6'9". And add a little bit more flair. Really? Add a little bit more uh, flair to his game. Uh, Kobe's dad was good, man. He yeah. was, you know, uh, and like I said, he t- – you know, we'd be laughing and talking shit all game. It was yeah. like uh, – he was a good dude, really good dude. Well, he had, he had a lot of good years in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, why, why, why he didn't stick? I don't know. Cause uh, it makes zero sense to me. Yeah. Zero sense to me. Just describe the difference in the European leagues and, and, and the American leagues and, and how, like, was it crazy over there during that time playing pro in the oh. East? Oh yeah, man. It was, <laughs> it was, it, okay. So this would be very a two hour pod. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very physical, right. Yeah. But inconsistent physical, like, uh, the NBA, NBA at that time was very physical, but you kind of knew where everything's coming from, right? In Europe, you had no idea what the hell was going on. There were uh, guys are taking shots at you, guys, you know, you couldn't touch a guy. And the next thing you know, somebody's punching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd go into gyms, and I swear to God, I didn't know if I was getting out alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because it was different. Like uh, when my first job playing a role. Leo, are you saying? Are you serious? Like, you were you know, genuinely afraid? Oh, all right. I'm not shitting you. I'm saying when I'm in Rome, it was like you got to remember. It's like Rome was like the capital, and yeah. the capitals come into your town. So it wasn't just like Boston's Philly. It's like the capital is coming to your town, and you come to these small towns, and people are rabid. I mean, okay, first of all, that's the first time I've seen the glass canopies over the benches. Those are fire, those are bulletproof glass canopies over the benches, oh right? My God. And so I'm getting ready to go out to the locker room this one game, and the guy said, put your bag over your head. I said, for what? Put your bag over your head. So we come out of the locker room with our bags over our heads till we get to the canopies. And you keep your bags there. to. Keep, then when you get off the court, you got the bags over your head again. Oh my God. And people are nuts. People are going crazy. Uh, you, We beat this team, and, and it's like chaos, right? you got to run off the court. We had to sit in a locker room for an hour and a half, two hours before the crowd dissipated. And then you get on the bus and don't look out the window. You know, you're going to get a rock come through the window. Don't look out the window. You got a police escort till you see the city limits. All of a sudden they're gone and you're gone. Right? Uh, Holy shit. They cheat. They flat out cheat. I mean, you know, these, they got these two game total points. <laughs> Why? What's this so, again? So you got to, you got to play these, these, uh, you some of these European cups. So we're playing in this, uh, Italian cup. Yeah. And it's two game total points. So if I beat you by 30, if you beat me by 31 next game, you win. Yeah. Right. So we're playing, we're, we're playing, uh, it's, 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 it's boxing day. We're playing C-Mac of Milan. They got Mike D'Antoni, right? They got Mike D'Antoni really, and they got, they were the best team in Italy. We beat them by 26 in Rome, right? Just beat them by 26. And, uh, and, uh, so a week and a half later, we go to Milan, and you, the game starts. It says twenty six nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's weird. Yeah. It's twenty six nothing. Oh my. It took about six minutes for the game to be tied. <laughs> oh, are, are you shitting me? Like ser- seriously, right? So it was brutal. It was brutal. So I'm playing so so, but at the end of the game, I get hot, and I knock down a couple of threes to tie the game. We're in overtime. So then overtime comes down to the wire. We're down two. I got, I'm, I'm coming down. So left side of the top of the key outside the three point line. I kid the ball and I go, I'm going to win this game. I'm either going to knock down a three or I'm getting fouled, but I'm winning this game. And so I get it and I get, go up like I'm going to shoot and I pause. And I got two guys on the line that, that, that jump. I wait a second. I go up. They both hit me. And I shoot, the ball goes like three feet, right? Yeah. No call, we lose. Oh my God. I'm going, I got, I'm going, I'm going, I'm losing my mind, right? Like, here is, I should be on, I should have either had the three or I'm on the line for three, one or the other, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm losing my mind. So I, 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 I'm going crazy. And my, one of my teammates is trying to hold me back. This big guy, Fubio, a big 6'10 dude, Fubio pulls me back to half court and I turn around. And I just give the fa- both hands up. I give the finger to the whole crowd. I go like, "F you to everybody!" Right? And then I run off the court. Well, the place goes apeshit. They're throwing stuff. So I ran off the court. Right? About five, five, ten minutes later, Fulvio and all the guys come in and go, "What'd you do, man?" I go, "What?" They're covered in food. They're covered in drinks. They're covered in. A- they just got pelted. Right? And. uh it was funny, like on, we were on the team bus after it, and on the radio you could hear, and lay it out, it's a DJ, vaffanculo a tutti. I'm dying, man. It's like, so, but here's how crazy it was. Like it, we got screwed so bad 
so I get fined. That means I'm get suspended for the next game. But if you pay the fine, you don't get suspended. So my team actually pays the fine yeah. because we did get screwed. But here's the funny thing in Italy, no matter how bad that was, what was it? What do you think was the most important thing after that game? The meal? Yeah, where are we going? To, where, where's the bus going to stop? We're yeah. eating. Oh, <laughs> but I, but I tell you, man, we played games. We played games in Europe, and, and even with Canada, we played games where, man, dude, I, you know, I, I don't know how how we're going to get out of here. It's scary, you know. Is there anything that happened that actually threw you off your game in terms of you know a fan, maybe mid game or before a game that actually threw you off your game where you're not thinking about what you need to do? No, I get, I get more pissed off. Like I get, like when I get pissed off and, and start talking shit, I play better. Um, and, and so no, it, not, nothing really, but there were times I just was really like, I don't know if I'm gonna get out of here alive. That's all, That's you know, uh, we had a game in, uh, in Sarajevo and this is, you know, right before everything went to hell, yeah. uh, in, in the former Yugoslavia. And, uh, and, and I remember what, uh, this guy, this dude, just like, it's a small gym, but packed. This dude just hits me, like, hits me hard. I'm going like, are you shit me? Are you seriously? All right, okay. So I waited, I waited, and I came through the lane. And I, the only mistake I made, it was at, at his end of the court. So his bench was there, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just put one in his Adam's apple, man. I laid this dude out. And, and, oh I, and nobody saw it. He's just on the floor. I just laid, his, laid him out. And so I go down the court, and then. I, I know now I, now I know I got to be on guard, right? So the crowd wants to kill me and their team wants to kill me. And, and, you know, you Croatian Serbians at that time, you Yugoslavians, man, those are tough dudes. Man. Yeah. And uh, so I made a mistake. I, I kind of lost track of a play. My back was to their bench, right? At their end of the court, the play goes back the other way. All of a sudden this guy's walking towards me. And I'm in, and the guy from the bench has got me in a full Nelson from Come behind. <laughs> so then this guy in front of me just turns and tries to punch me hard in the stomach. Now thank God I saw it coming so I could I could lock up, right? It still hurt, but like I got tightened up in time. But and and then all of a sudden we had this little guy, Phil Melillo, a little gangster from Jersey. <laughs> he played he played as an Italian. It's Phil like Phil's like five nine, but a little tough dude. He comes flying down, and Bruce Flowers comes flying down to help me. All the Italians are going, "Is there is there a problema? Problema? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not moving. They're not moving." But uh, my American dudes came down to help me. So, it, but it was scary though, because like I said, that game, uh, you didn't know if you're going to get out of there after that. That's crazy. That's awesome. those, those stories are awesome. <laughs> oh, there's a million of them. I'm telling you, and, and it's not even playing for Canada too. Like, we've had brawls. We've had, you know, bench clearings. We've had chairs going into the stands we you wouldn't believe some of the stuff we've seen it's uh and this because you got to remember this is before 92 cameras tv mm -hmm. cell phones all that stuff right so nobody saw it like uh you know we had this we had this guy phil toaster big boy from edmonton phil was a i love a great player too. played a byu um phil was 6'8 240 strong as shit and we're playing argentina i'm this skinny dude right and young guy trying to you know play, and I come out of the game. I go, Phil, man, number eight, just you know, he's just all over me. I, he goes, he just looks at me, gives me a wink, right? <laughs> so he comes in the game, and I swear to God, 10, 10 plays or so, all of a sudden this number eight's laying on the floor in a puddle of blood. 
right? And and oh Phil walks God. up, and everybody's going like, "What happened?" Nobody even saw it happen. Phil walks by me, gives me a big wink. <laughs> <laughs> he did the same thing. The funniest one: we're playing the Soviet Union in Italy, and they got this big seven foot dude, and he's just being a he's just being a you know a, a goof hitting at people. So Phil Phil Tolstrup and this guy are running back, and they're about even at center court. And Phil just puts an elbow in this guy's upper chest and knocks him out cold, right? Yeah. But nobody saw it happen. They're just running next to each other. The plays at the end of the floor. And so Phil knocks this guy out cold. So Phil Phil immediately goes down and goes, hey, hey, you okay? Hey, ref, come on. This guy's like he's trying to help him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this guy comes to and he sees Phil trying to help him. And the guy tries to swing and hit Phil. <laughs> So this guy gets thrown out of the game after Phil knocks him out. He took a oh swing at Phil, God. right? Oh, man. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Where were the refs? I mean, was yeah, it that easy not... to sneak these things in there? I mean. Yeah, I... The, the referees, like I said, there'd be two referees, no cameras, no yeah. replay, mm-hmm. no nothing. Yeah. Uh, referees are crap. Uh, you see today, I mean, don't ever complain about an NBA ref to me. When you go to FIBA, it's a whole different world. Oh, yeah. And back then, they were even worse. Uh, and they were getting paid. They're getting bought off by teams. They're they're looking the other way. They're cheap. So you you know the referees were uh, useless back then. It was it was ridiculous. Leo, what's that that game or that um, end of game story that you have? If if there is one, I'm sure there's many. But everybody tells like I have a story where I like I was in high school. We we're down eight with like a minute and a half to go, and I scored eleven straight points. Right, not to. Yeah, that's my story. Because no. <laughs> you don't have that story. <laughs> okay, sorry, I was in grade eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about, okay, everybody's got that, I did this at the end of the game to win it. Yeah. What's your sort of like, the, this your claim to fame as a basketball player? Other uh, than making the NBA. Okay, well, uh, okay so uh, I, guess, I guess the one would be the most, this is what most people would tell you. Um, we're playing in a Big East tournament. Uh, it's in Syracuse, and uh, we're playing Villanova, and we're going into we're going into triple overtime, and uh, triple overtime, right? It's a crazy game. Yeah. And I'm having a good game, and uh, so we, we come down to our last timeout. We got the ball, and and uh, and we're down. I think we're down one. No, it's tie game. Tie game, and. Uh, like I said, triple overtime. Everybody's dying. This is a third game in three days. We're triple overtime. We beat George. We beat St. John's first game. We beat Georgetown second game, and now we got Villanova. And uh, so Beheim Beheim says, "Okay, here's what we're doing. Okay, Leo, take the ball to bounce, pass in, give the ball back to Leo. Leo, you take it, win the game." It's okay. So I get the ball to bounce. Eric, I, I, only guy I can hit. I hit Eric Sanifer. He breaks up. He was our he was our shooting guard. And he comes up, and but as soon as he got it, I go, he ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to take and try to win the game, but that's knowing your teammates, right? So he dribbled, he, he attacks, he pulls up at the free throw line. But as soon as I knew he wasn't going to give it back, just I just go. went straight to the bucket. Yeah. I had this dude, Aaron Howard. Aaron Howard, good player. He was on me, but he was really trying to deny from me getting the ball uh, because I think they knew that was the ball was going to come back to me. So he was up in denied position. So I just went hard and then I got him on my back. Sure enough, Eric takes a shot, misses. I'm right there to tap it in. We win the Big East championship. Jeez, right. Wow. So 
that that's the one play and I got MVP at a tournament. So that that's the one uh, where uh, I think most people remember. Like yeah. I get calls every year about about that game. So that that was a good one. You know. That's awesome. So it was 1992 in Innisfil, and I'm in grade eight. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> Mike, you got one? Not really. No. Not really. You got to be able to shoot. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leo, did when you were playing in Europe, did did the NBA or trying to get back to the NBA? Does that linger in your mind? We're trying to get back there, or are you happy with sort of the lot that you had there? Um. That's, that's interesting because there's a couple of scenarios like, and, and I don't, I don't kind of have regrets. I, I don't, I don't believe mm-hmm. in regrets. Right. I, I think you can always look back and say, I could have done something different. And the one thing I would have done different when I got drafted, uh, I, it was 83 and the Olympics were in 84 in LA. And we had our, we had a really good Olympic team and I, my, I wanted to be on that team. And Jack Donahue said, you know, what if you went to Europe for a year? And you could still, because remember, Europeans weren't considered pros back then, right? So then you could play in the 84 Olympics. And at the beginning, I go, ah, come on, I don't, I don't want to do that, right? I'm an NBA guy now, first round mm-hmm. pick. But then uh, I remember asking my agent, because uh, I started thinking, man, I got Dr. J and Bobby Jones at my position, right? Mm-hmm. And realistically, I mean, we're all cocky and got ego and shoot, shoot but, you know, realistically, I think Dr. J is going to get some minutes over me, right? And Bobby Jones is an all-defensive NBA player. So I remember asking my agent, what's my value? I just got drafted by the NBA champions. I could be the highest-paid player in Italy, right? What's my value? And he goes, Don, no, don't think about that. Don't think about that. And that's the one regret I do have. If you have a regret, is that I should have done that. I should have said, okay, I'd still be property of the Sixers or they could trade me or whatever. Uh, I, and I could come back. I could go to Italy. I could have been the highest paid player in Italy. I could have played in the 84 Olympics. And then I could have been, you know, I could have either played for the Sixers when Doc retired or, uh, or Bobby Jones or, or, like I said, traded to another team, right? Uh, so that, that's something if I could do over, again, not a regret, but if I could do, do something different, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then uh, I did come back. Um, it's actually, it's actually a funny story. Um, I was working, I, I took, a, I took about a year and a half off. I, I just got out of the game and then I said, okay, I want to play again. I, I'm going to play. So I was actually working with Merrill Lynch in Syracuse, New York. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting back in shape. I'm getting ready to, 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 to play. And my goal is to go to an NBA camp. And if that doesn't work, I'll go to Europe. And so, uh, Danny Shays, who played at Syracuse a lot of years in the NBA, Danny calls me and says, Leo, there's a Kutcher's All-Star game. We're, you know, big man, Monticello, New York. It's famous. I mean, if you re- read all the NBA uh, history books, they all tell you about the Kutcher's All-Star game, right? And uh, so he goes, we need it. We need another guy. Do you want to play? I go, Danny, seriously, man, what are they going to do? Leo Routens from Merrill Lynch? Like, what are they going to say, right? I go, nah. He goes, come on, man. I go, nah, I don't think so. Then he calls you back again. Come on. So at that point, I go, oh, okay, what the hell? It's two, that's two hours from my house. Said, okay, I'll drive down. So I drive down, and uh, you got some players, man. You got like Rod Strickland, you got you got Roy Henson, you got uh, uh, Jerome Kersey. I mean, it's a, it's you, know, you got you know two NBA teams, and uh, and uh, so I get uh, oh who is it? Uh, 
Ray, uh, oh, I played at Minnesota, played for the Celtics. Ray, 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 come on. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, anyway, so we got all these dudes, right? It's uh, serious talent. And Willis Reed is our coach. And Willis Reed comes up to me before the game and says, uh, man, you are one of my favorite players ever. That's crazy. I'm looking around and going like, who's this dude talking to, right? <laughs> but this is Willis Reed, right? So I go, oh, man, like I, yeah, you were one of my guys. Like, what are you saying? Yeah, like, I, I don't even know what to say, right? She goes, you're starting. I go, I'm the dude from Merrill Lynch. What do you mean I'm starting, right? <laughs> so he says, you're starting. Oh, it was Ray Williams. Ray Williams, right? okay. And so now you got Ray Williams, me, and Otis Birdsong in the backcourt, right? So we come down. I kick it to Otis. Otis, like, has this guy never passed up a jumper in his life? He kicks it back to me. I seen you play, brother. Shoot it. I go, huh? What's going on here? Like, Willis is going, you're my guy. Otis is giving up a shot for me. But anyway, I get the MVP of the Kutcher's All-Star game, Jeez. right? So I go, like, I get this – I leave with this trophy is bigger than me. <laughs> I had to go speak at a basketball from game the day, and I got this six-foot trophy from the Kutcher's All-Star game. And I get, so just for a joke, I look back, previous MVPs, like Dave Cowens, you know, uh, yeah. like all these, like all NBA names, illegal routes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's hilarious. But so anyway, believe it or not, so I, I, I end up getting, Willis goes back and talks to us. So I end up uh, going to camp with the Nets, right? And uh, and uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, I, I think I got a shot here. And uh, Bill Fitch was the coach. How old are you here? And yeah, what year was this? 89? Uh, this would have been, no, this would have been about 87. Okay. No, yeah, 89, 89, uh, 87, yeah, 88, 89, somewhere around there. And uh, so Bill Fitch, uh, you know, and, and the guarantee I got was that they had, they, they had guaranteed contracts, but they said, if you make the team, we'll cut, we'll cut guys. I said, okay. So I went in and said, and I'll never forget this. It was the night before the last night of camp and Sam Bowie, uh, all these dudes were, were, uh, were in the locker room and they're going, they go, you're in dude. You're in, man. We've been, fig- we've been trying to figure out you're in. There's no, there's no question. You've got nothing to worry about. You're, you're in. I say, ah, oh, we'll see. Right. And, uh, so next day, Bill Fitch, and I've never had this happen to me before or since Bill Fitch says, comes up to me, goes, uh, I got to cut you. Jeez. Okay. Uh, he goes, uh, but I don't want you to leave. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Where we go. And this, uh, this is the exact thing he said to me. Uh, he goes, they might get hurt. <laughs> Cause he didn't. And my agent told me there were a couple of guys that he did not want. And yeah. they wanted me on the team. And so he goes, I'll get you some money. I just need you to stay and play. I go, have you ever been cut and then asked not to leave? Yeah. Right. And I'm going like, I didn't even know how to like, honestly, I left practice. I showered up. I was going to go to a bar and just drink my face off. Right. I go like, I I started to have one beer and like, I felt like I was going to puke. I go like, are you shitting me? Mm -hmm. And so the next day I said, okay. I said, okay, you, you want me to practice? I shot the ball every time I touched it. <laughs> I, and, and you know what? I didn't care anymore, right? I yeah. didn't care. I didn't miss a shot. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm just yeah. firing up. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm kicking ass. I'm playing, mm-hmm. I'm firing it up. And uh, it turned out that they would not part ways with the, with either one of the two. There were two rookies they wanted to part ways with. Um, Bill Fitch wanted to, but they, they ultimately did not do that. So I, I, I eventually did get cut, but, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. And I, and that was it. After that, I just said, ah, you know, screw it. You know, I'm just gonna, I'll I'll play in Europe. I have fun, make money, have a good time. And, uh, and that's it. But, uh, that, that one kind of left a, left a bad taste because I really thought I made the team, you know? Yeah. Wow. Leo, we've already taken a lot of your time. Uh, do you have one more? You want to ask? Uh, yeah, I have like twelve more. <laughs> yeah, Leo, <man. laughs> like, seriously, like hey, we have I'm just sitting here in Florida. I'm just sitting here in Florida in the lanai with my animals. So yeah. I got nothing to do. I'm good. Man, we we're just we we're we we're thinking of these questions and 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 reading up more and stuff. Obviously, I know you from from work and and uh, I, honestly, hearing you speak, I could sit here for three yeah, hours and just yeah. like shoot the shit with like, you because yeah. this is just crazy. I love this stuff. This, this is going to be crazy. the easiest cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start, finish. That's the yeah. cut. <laughs> um, maybe just talk about uh, you know making the NBA and and having that injury in the toe. I mean, you had uh, what was it? Um, d- damaged ligaments in your toe that that you had no idea about. No, nah, you know, you know what? It's uh, it's really funny. I kind of had a, I kind of had a, I don't know, an awakening, uh, uh, enlightenment. I don't know when I had my back surgery uh, in a couple of years ago. Uh, so my whole life I've been dealing with with a bad back. Right, I had surgery mm-hmm. when I was eleven, and, and and I was terrified throughout my whole career that my back's not going to carry me. Right, and. Uh, so when I'm, I'm having all these issues a few years back and, and, and it was getting bad, I had a lot of, you know, high level MBA doctors and people look at my back and they're going like, number one, we don't know how you're walking. And number two, we don't know how you ever played. <laughs> right. They're going like, so I, I, when I started hearing more and more about uh, what they were seeing inside of me, I'm going like, I'm actually incredibly blessed to have even had a career. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh it should, I I've had a career that shouldn't have happened. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of weird to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you add it all up, I mean, I had, I've had 30 surgeries. I've had, I've had, you know, shit, my, my knees have between my knees. I've had more than 10 surgeries. I've had surgeries on my elbow, my feet, my foot, my, uh, my hands. Like I've had surgeries all over the place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was, if I was to, if I had tomorrow was the NBA draft, and I had my body and my history when I got drafted in 1983. Do you know what my physical was with the Sixers the night before the draft? What? They flew me down there to see the doctor. And I go see the doctor. The guy takes my knee, bends it, straightens it out. He goes, you're good. <laughs> that was my, I'm not lying to you. That was my physical. That's crazy. Right? And, and – um, if I had a physical by today's standards where they do MRIs and mm-hmm. do all, I would never have been an NBA player, mm-hmm. right? Not a chance, not a chance. Uh, Cause I've already had knee surgeries and back surgery and, and elbow surgery before I even got to the end. Jeez. So, so I feel very uh, incredibly blessed that I was even able to uh, have a career that extended as long as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, do I, 
do I wish it could have been different? Yeah. I mean, if I was healthy, who knows what kind of career I would have had. Uh, but yeah, it started right with my rookie year. Things just started going south. Uh, uh, had a foot problem, had an ankle, bad ankle problem. That was, again, remember, it was not today's NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came down to Bobby Jones's foot. They tell me you go to the hot. I had to drive myself to the hospital with a foot I can't even stand on. Uh, the guy drains my ankle right away. You don't drain an ankle right away. You mm-hmm. don't do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's the blood's there to protect you. And uh, and I played, and they call me saying, you need to play. You need me to play? You got Dr. J and Bobby Jones, and you need me to play, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I end up losing almost a whole year because of that foot. And then all of a sudden, everybody says, you're injury prone, this and that. So it, it was a different NBA, um, and, and injuries really kind of cost me, right? Mm-hmm. So um but like i said so had i had i had a healthy body who knows right who knows but nobody can control that uh and even even in europe i had you know like i said my share of uh my share of injuries and you know some of them pretty funny some pretty crazy but uh you know so you know like i said in a lot of ways i had a career that i shouldn't have had so that's a blessing right it's uh uh and and the fact that i could still walk and be normal today i'm i'm pretty happy you know Leo, did you ever, did you ever want to quit? Um, I never wanted to quit, but I, I got, I got really tired of the pain. Um, you know, like I, I could remember, you know, um, being in camp with the Knicks or being in camp with the Nets and like literally, you know, hop into the bathroom in the morning. Uh, mm. just not, you know, like, uh, uh, so that, that wore me down, you know, uh, when my, my last, my last year playing, what people don't know is that like in 92, we were in the Olympic qualifier in Portland with the dream team and all bit. Mm-hmm. And I tore my knee right before the qualifier. Oh, man. Right. And we couldn't tell anybody because I just signed a contract in Europe and I didn't want them to know. And, uh, and uh, it was a great contract. So I didn't want them to know. And I obviously didn't want to, I wanted to try to play for Canada. And I, so I was really struggling though. Like I, I was in a lot of, uh, a lot of pain and trying to play that. And as soon as the qualifier it was very disappointing. So one of the most disappointing events I've ever participated in because we didn't qualify. Um, and that's not the way it works for Canada with, with the way we always played. So, uh, but I had surgery right after the qualifier. And it's funny because I had to tell the surgeon, so you can't shave my knee. You can't, I can't look like I had surgery. Right. So uh, I have surgery and then my team wants me to report to camp two weeks after surgery in Europe. Right. And, and I'm trying to stretch it. I'm trying to make a, like, Oh, my passport. I got an issue with my passport. I got an extra week out of it. Right. But uh, so, and I, like I said, I got a surgically repaired knee, which you would not be playing for six months with today. And I show up three weeks after, uh, uh, after uh, surgery, but here's the funny thing, you know, Leon Wood is an NBA referee today, yeah. you know, Leon Woods. Yeah. Uh, so Leon was on that team and uh, we're doing this. My first day, we're doing this full court defensive drill and I'm guarding Leon and I, and I kind of slip. So when I go down, I didn't hurt myself, but I grab my knee. I go, Oh, 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 <laughs> I did something. I did something. Yeah. Oh, Oh. And uh, I just wanted on record that I got hurt there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause I've been screwed out of a lot of money by teams in Europe. Right. right. Cause you get hurt. They just like, they, they discard you Yeah. and, uh, or something happens. They just don't pay you. So, 
I grabbed my knee and I, I, after practice, I tell the doc, I said, hey, can you take a look? I did something. I don't know what I did. Right. Well, sure enough, I didn't last, man. My, my knee was toast. I, I was, I was dying just to play. I had a, I was like the candy man. I had a suitcase. I got all my doctors in Syracuse to give me a year's worth of painkiller, uh, uh, anti-inflammatory, yeah. all this stuff just to play. Cause I was like, I was, I was in bad shape. Um, and, uh, so it got to the point where, uh, uh, it's kind of gross, but I went to the bathroom one day and, and I, it's all red, right. I'm bleeding. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you're going, okay, you're taking too much just to play. You're mm -hmm. killing yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I had that surgery and sure enough, I was done. They, they go, this is your knee. You can't play. But I got, I got 90% of my contract. Wow. Because they said, remember, remember mm -hmm. that first day? Remember that first day? Yeah. I got hurt here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wow. that saved me. That saved me because I didn't last three months and I left with 90% of my deal. Wow. So it's like I said, so I, I, I never wanted to quit, but it, but it hurt mm -hmm. and playing hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, when you think about the game, what are you most passionate about? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had, uh, throughout my career, I've had basketball camps, always trying to do stuff with kids. Uh, I always try to help players whenever I can. Um, like I said, it, my passion is to share what I know, to share, to make, make your, your trip easier, right? Hey, I had to do one of these, you know, zigzag and turn and back up and down to get to where I had to get to. I want you to go straight line. I want to give you the shortest, quickest, easiest path to be successful. And so if I can share what I know uh, to make that happen, uh, that's what I try to do. Uh, I try to help people where I can. Um, and, and one of the things I always tell, tell players today, have fun, man. Like, seriously, stop worrying about shit that doesn't matter. And we all do it, right? I think back to stuff you worry about, stuff you talk about, stuff people, who cares? You're playing a game you love to play. Just play and have fun. None of that other stuff means anything. Every, you know, everybody gets involved in all this talk and worrying about that. You can't control none of that. So just have fun and play. And that's the one thing I, I said. So my youngest son now, he's playing. And I said, you know what? Enjoy every minute you can. Just play. You're playing. You're doing what you love to do. Have fun. And And so I just try to, like I said, I just try to, pass along what I know, whether it's in, you know, playing hoops or broadcasting or whatever. Uh, like I said, if I can make your journey a little easier, a little shorter, a little quicker, and a little bit more successful, and then I've done my job, right? I didn't know that you were a commentator for the, uh, the 84 games, you know, for CBC. Do you remember your impressions of uh, Michael Jordan in that tournament? He was amazing. Uh, I remember watching him just in warmups, uh, the rhythm to his game, the speed, uh, explosiveness was, was mind boggling. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and like I said, just watching him, he's one of those players you just can't take your eyes off. And, uh, and you know, Hey, was I going to go out and say he was going to become the player he was? not I wasn't ready to say that. I don't think anybody was right, but there was something special about him. He was, it was unique. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, that you know, he he was definitely 
uh, an amazing player to watch. You know, um, that that U.S. team was was a great team. Bobby Knight was, uh, you know, uh, you know, heck of a coach. We had a lot of Bobby Knight experiences over the years with Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Michael Michael was a special player, and that was a that was a great experience doing the '84 Olympics. I, I really enjoyed that. You know, did you know you wanted to be a broadcaster, like? At, the, at a young age, because yeah. when you went yeah. to from Minnesota to Syracuse, you were kind of. I read that you didn't like that they didn't want you to go to class, and and there was more of an emphasis right. on education at Syracuse. And was that always your goal? Like you had this sort of set up to become a broadcaster? You think? Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, in ninth grade, uh, my high school coach Dan Prattergast was also a school guidance counselor. And I hate math, Randy. I tell you what, I, I see numbers, I get scared. I'm not kidding. Uh, I was joking about this the other day with somebody. John Saunders, when we used to do the games on, with the Raptors or ESPN games, I go, hey, John, you know, this, this lead is shrinking. You know, better be careful. He go, well, what's it down to, Leo? And I go, it, it, it's shrinking a lot, John. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Like, once it's in double, I can't tell you the numbers. I'm looking at like, I was, I, I numbers scare me. Yeah. I don't know why. It's a mental block, whatever it is. I don't know, but. Numbers just terrify me. Yeah. And uh, so I went to my guidance counselor. I said, look, I like people. I like talking. I like writing. I like this. I said, what can I do? And I also said, I'm going to be an NBA player. I'm going to be an NBA player. And I don't want to, I don't want to be in a chemistry lab and, and have a career that's completely isolated or separated from the NBA career I'm going to have. So what can I do where I can kind of put the two together? And we had, a, we had a long conversation and we came up with journalism, right? Yeah. Specifically like broadcast journalism. And, uh, and so, so that was actually a plan that started in ninth grade. And, uh, you know, when I went to Minnesota, it was kind of a bandit program. Uh, you didn't have to go to class. You didn't have to do anything. They just show up for practice. Uh, and like, I could have stayed there and had a good basketball career and in some ways, maybe even better in Syracuse. Uh, but I, you know, I said, okay, I need something more than that. And uh, uh, so when I went to ultimately going to Syracuse, they had a great journalism school, one of the top regarded as one of the top in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was one of the, that was one of the reasons I went there. And uh, you know, like I say, you can't in our business, you can't go anywhere on the planet without running into a producer, director, uh, uh, an announcer, uh, somebody that didn't go to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Like all the top names, you know, uh, all the top names in the business, all Syracuse grads. It's crazy. Uh, you know, from Marv Albert, Dick Stockton, Ted Koppel. I mean, you just wow. keep going down the list. Wow. They're all Syracuse guys, yeah. right? Uh, you know, Mike Tarico. Uh, you just like, it's crazy. Wow. So, uh, you know, um, it, it, that, that was actually, you know, like I said, that was part of the plan and, and, and unfortunately it worked out. Hmm. Amazing. Um, you know, this, uh, could you maybe just tell that story, uh, in Oakland in the NBA finals oh, yeah. where you almost died? <laughs> I, was I think there. that story gets lost on, on uh, people. Do you, of the, do you, you know, mind telling it? Because like, uh, no, it was funny. That's it was, it, it, scary, man. When I think well, about it, go ahead. Well, you know what the crazy part was? So we know we're there early and, and yeah. they're doing all these rehearsals, the anthem rehearsals, they're doing all this stuff. And it was really weird because it's almost like a premonition. I'm watching these round lights go up and down during this anthem rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of mesmerized by it. I'm just kind of watching that for no reason. Like, yeah. why am I looking at these lights, right? Well, now the game's on and, and, and 
you know, like, so everything's going on. It's kind of crazy. And, and then I just, I just feel this. I like, I, 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 I feel something brush my shoulder and I hear this thump. Right. And it's loud. Right. I better hear this thump. And, and next thing you know, like Matt pulls me towards him. Yeah. And it actually touched your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lady that's working, you know, are uh, working with us. Mm-hmm. And it literally touched my shoulder and her outside left leg. So it went right between us. Right. And it's, it's, boom, hits the floor. And I remember we're calling a game. Mm-hmm. We're right in the middle of the game. And then my headset gets knocked off by some guy from the arena coming to run after this thing. I'm, I go, dude, I'm doing a game. Right? Yeah. And then I look over to my right and I, I see her face, the, la- the lady's face. She's like, got oh this like, crazy expression. I look down and I see one of these lights. And this thing is hard plastic. It's hard. Like it didn't shatter when it yeah. hit the floor. Yeah. Right. And I'm going like, then I look up and, and I go like, and Matt's pulled me that Matt's got, he's calling the game. But he's looking at me with this crazy expression on his face and trying to pull me away from everything. And I get my headset on. And next thing you know, they're trying to pull, like they're trying to pull that light back up. And I'm going, I take my headset off. I said, the thing almost in my head. You're going to put it back up. Like, what did I, <laughs> like, then I put the headset on. Oh yeah. Curry. Good shot. It's like, yeah, we have this cool. whole thing going on while we're calling the game. And, uh, but I always joke about it. I go like, Okay, if that thing would have just kind of, you know, put a little indentation on my forehead a little bit, not enough to permanently damage me, nothing a little plastic surgery couldn't take care of. I could have made myself a cool hundred million right there. <laughs> or or it could have killed me and my wife could have owned part of the new arena. Yeah. So one or the other. <laughs> Leo, that legit could have killed you. Yeah. Like do you yeah, do you think it, do you do you think that was divine? <laughs> no, it was just freak, you know, freak, yeah, freak luck. Or I mean the thing yeah. just came down the fact that it just skimmed both of us. And, and yeah. like I said, I just felt something brush me like very gently brush, but I heard the thud. Like I felt it, heard it. I don't know. Like as you're in this loud arena and you can actually hear this thud. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I was actually, I was more mad that they were trying to get this thing back up. Right. <laughs> So it could come down again. Hey, yeah, you missed yeah. the first time. Let's oh, try yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're probably looking at the other balls go like Matt's probably looking at the other balls going, are those things coming down now too? Oh yeah. Like, we're, 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 you could see everybody after that. Everybody's kind of just looking up yeah. what's going on here. Okay. Okay. For those but, listening uh, yeah, that was, home. that was, yeah, that was pretty crazy. And, and the crazy thing is nobody from the arena, nobody ever came up and said, Hey, you know, we're really, you know, you okay. Yeah. I didn't, no, nothing, nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that that would like honest like worst case scenario that come down and kills you. That's a tragedy in the middle of the NBA finals. Ends the NBA finals exactly. as, as we know it. Like, exactly. That was game right. one. I mean, they'd be talking three. about that forever. Yeah, they'd be talking about that forever. The game yeah. would have been postponed. I don't know if they postponed it. They probably delayed an hour and get me out of there and no. you know throw Jack throw Jack in my seat and keep going. <laughs> well, you're here. You're yeah. alive, and we yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind a little indentation, you know, uh, for for a little payoff. <laughs> then you no wouldn't be able luck. to do the uh, then you wouldn't be able to do the post game show with Chris and I. <laughs> yeah, sure I could. I just said, come on, a little plastic surgery, yeah. maybe I wear a, a little uh, toupee, cover up the hole. You wouldn't you know? want the money. <laughs> funny. So I think yeah, I asked it was pretty you this pretty couple. crazy. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna say. Uh, I mean, do you miss it? Do you miss basketball? You know what I miss? Uh, I miss uh, 
I miss the camaraderie. I miss the hanging out. Mm -hmm. I miss the road trips. I miss, uh, you know, being with the boys, you know, that, that's, that, that was always the, the fun, Mm -hmm. the fun part, right. The actual playing, like I said, it, I had so many years where the playing hurt. Um, I don't miss the playing, Mm -hmm. right. I don't miss that part. Um, I miss not being able to play like what my kids like, uh, kick their ass, like just to, just to play, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, that, 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 that part I do miss not being able to do something like that. Uh, like I remember I've I've gone out and played some pickup here and there with my youngest son, just to, just to do it and show him I could do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I miss not being able to do that. Uh, but not, uh, the actual playing, it's funny because people think, uh, think, you know, like I'm, you're super competitive, right? Cause mm-hmm. you played, I just like, you know, once you're done playing that, that super competitive is gone. I just like, you know, just be go out and have a little fun. That'd be nice. But mm-hmm. my body, my body can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. Leo, it's been, it's been so nice for me getting to know you over the years because, you know, I listened to the first Raptor games. Uh, we didn't have cable back then, but I heard them on the radio. And then when I did get to a TV, we grew up on a farm, so we didn't really. When I did get to a TV, I, I, I remember you so vividly mm-hmm. as a commentator because, yeah. you know, I was a kid that knew the game a little bit by playing it. And, and I felt like you did too. And I, I somehow really connected with what you were doing. And, and, but then you're just this guy on TV, you know, and, and you don't know anything about the person and you just like, maybe you think, Oh, something or this or that, or not, not that I was thinking anything bad, but you just, you just think that they're just a dude. And, you know, having got to know you over these last, you know, eight years that I've been at open gym, I, like you're just one of my favorite people and I just want to thank you for just being well, like I such appreciate a, that man it's, such nice, a it's real, nice you to say yeah real nice guy like I know I remember my 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 good story about Leo it's not even a good story but like I don't have a car because you know I sold it and it's just not something that I that I need right now in the city and going to one of the road trips you know, I got a, a, a ride to to the plane, whatever, and I get on the plane. We go, I don't know, the road trips I get to go to are like Cleveland and Indiana. So <laughs> I, we get home and we fly home at like 3.30 in the morning. And I could call an Uber and you offered to drive me home. And I was like, Leo, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm like, I can get an Uber. I can get, I can expense it. But the fact that you just drove me home at 3.30 in the morning, you didn't have to was like that really stuck out to me because people don't do that. I think they say they want to do that. They they talk about doing that, but you did that. And that like meant a lot to me because, you know, I looked up to you as a as a broadcaster, I looked up to you as a basketball player and and you seem to just like break every sort of norm of of this this guy that I think people think you are like this tall, handsome guy that plays basketball, but you're just like you know, you're just, you break all those like weird things that people have about you. Like maybe they think you're like not nice, or maybe they think you're like stuck up or maybe that, and you're just none of those things. And I know I'm rambling a lot here, but like you, you're just like one of my favorite dudes to talk to. And this has been like one of the, this, this, you know what, this honestly today, I needed this conversation and, uh, you know, I I appreciate that. It's funny how people's perceptions can be. You get a lot of people, uh, uh, 
that, you know, that don't know you to do judge you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, I, hey, my thing is, Hey, we're all, we're all in this together, brother. That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know that if, uh, if I needed a ride, you'd give me a ride. That's mm-hmm. the way it works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you do things cause, uh, Hey, like I said, we, we all got to care about each other. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, like I said, we're all in this together, you know? And I'm sort of glad that we could, you know, show people, that you were a really, really, really good player. Yeah, people, I mean, because, people you know, know a, but like people, yeah. like you taught, you taught us who who read about you, who know you, so many things today. And I and I'm understanding that you were great. Like I yeah. saw the videos, and it's it's crazy because people often become the footnote. And you know, we live in this age where we have all this information at our fingertips, but you know, we don't even care about history anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's, everything's instant gratification. And and going back and looking at you know some of your videos, I was just like. This guy was like he could play. You know, like you, you, smooth, you look at you old could, time basketball players, Leo, and you're not. Yeah, those yeah, people. yeah. You're, like, you're, you're like you're a modern player. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, you know what's funny? You know what's funny when uh, R.J. Barrett uh, at 19 they they won the U19 Worlds, right? Yeah. And everybody's going crazy. I started thinking. I go wait. At when I was 18, I played in the World Worlds. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. the U19. Mm-hmm. I played in Manila in the Worlds, made second team all world. And I, I would have been first team all world if we won another game. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the second leading scorer in the whole world. And that's with the best players in the world. Yeah. And I go on like, like people, people, like I said, it's like people made such a big deal about a 19 year old doing that. And I'm going, Ah, that's not right for juniors, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's okay for juniors, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, you were you were on the it, national it, team from 16 years old, yeah. 1978 till 1992. 77. 77? Yeah, but there was a gap in the middle. There was a gap when uh, I turned pro. So from 83 to was it 90, 91 when they 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 let pros start playing again. Mm-hmm. So there was a gap in between where I couldn't play, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, but it, it's pretty crazy that, uh, like I said, my my game my game was far more suited to today's game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's uh, it it's uh, it's the way it's life, right? Yeah. It's life. Yeah. yeah. This has been an Industry Valley Pictures production. 